uh, since January, we've been doing a series on becoming like Christ, really looking at stories from Jesus in the Gospels about how we as believers be can become more uh, looking like Him, right? Uh, Jesus came and, and said, hey, go and create disciples, go and make disciples at the end of his times with his disciples. And what, they, what he was telling them is that basically, I want more of you. I want more people who, who spent time with me. I want more people who know what I've said, who live in the power of my presence, who've experienced the, the power of my resurrection and all of that. And it's been a, it's been a great see, uh, series to look at. And we're going to head and keep on doing it until we hit about April. Uh, when we when we sort of uh, look at Easter, and we'll sort of finish with Easter as we as we look at that. Um, but today we're going to do something a little bit different. First of all, actually, before I do that, Paul reminded me before I came up here: the lights, man, the lights. Who loves being able to see the people around you? Apparently, I, there's a little applause back there. I think from from Brittany and Sabrina. Uh, but uh, apparently not many, because when I was on the door, yes, uh, last week, uh, uh, seeing people as they came in, they were like, can we turn these lights down? Can we turn these lights down, please? So apparently you don't much like looking at each other. And uh, just to let you know, the lights are broken, and it's a choice between everything on or everything off. And uh, we had an eldership meeting, we wisely decided everything on would work best. Um, but who knows? We meet weekly so we could change our minds and we'll, we'll see what we do. But uh, yeah, the, the lights are stuck on. So I know that changes uh, how we come into worship. I know it messes with the vibe. Our, our chairs aren't looking that great. That's why we turn the lights down low so you guys don't pay attention to the little details like that. Um, but really, you know, when we come in to worship God and something slightly different or worship is, there's a technical diffie or something like that, we realize that actually it's not the technical things that enable us to worship God. God is worthy to be worshiped because he's amazing and he's worthy to be worshiped. So we have so many blessings here as a church and uh, just reminds us when something goes wrong. It reminds us, you know, what is important and all of that stuff. But yeah, today is... Yeah, a special day because we're going to take some time to actually say what has what is important in our community. If you've seen a post on on Instagram possibly coming up into this week, you know, we we wanted to have a bit of a vision Sunday or and a recap looking at 2022. Um, and really, we just wanted, to, you know, in a church transition, there can be lots of questions, lots of different things that people want to ask about. And today is going to answer some of those questions that we had before. And you know, part of what we're doing today, you're going to see that actually we've got a lot of new people in our community, actually tons and tons, maybe for a percentage of our congregation. If we look at new people that are with us, this is probably the highest percentage season of new people that we've ever had. And that's really exciting for us leaders. It's really problematic as well because new people, we, we need to spend a lot of, lot of time with you. We need, to, we need to bring you through. We need to communicate our heart and how we do things. And you've got lots of questions and that's amazing and awesome. And in the coming months, we want to do more to, to greet you, to welcome you in and to, to have you join with our community. But today, uh, along with the transition, we, we just had some questions of like where we have been and sort of where we're going next. And I will say, you know, as I was preparing this, that I do want to sort of preach through these updates that we're doing. And primarily what we're doing is we want to look at what's happened, at how God has blessed us in the past, so we can look forward to the future with vision and thankfulness and, and an anticipation of what God might do next in this city. It says in Proverbs, right, one translation says, the people without vision perish. One translation uses that word, they, they perish without, vi without vision. And so today, when you're, when you're hearing a message that is a little bit different, what I want you to get from today is the vision from the future. And sometimes to get the vision for the future, we need to go back and look and see how God has provided time and time again in the past. Would you agree with me that now is a time in our city, in our country, in our families, in the next generation that, that, that we actually need to be bang on with what we, what we find is important. Would you agree? We realize that we're, we're sort of, our, the next generation is, is growing up in a generation that is accelerating quickly through different ideas and all the things that those mean. 
And God is looking for a strong church that knows his word, that knows his truth, that walks in the power of his Holy Spirit to minister to the broken and the lost. If there's something that we want to do well as a church, it's minister to the broken and the lost. So let's just pray before we, before we look. And there's going to be some numbers that we're going to look at today. Uh, if you have questions about anything, I just want to encourage you that anyone from the eldership team would love to talk to you um, and, and answer some of those things. And um, yeah, let's get going. But let, let's just humble our hearts before the Lord and just come in an attitude of thankfulness before the Father. Lord God, we just thank you for your kingdom. <laughs> Lord, we love that your kingdom cannot be shaken. Even though the world shakes, even though it trembles, even though it does not know what will happen tomorrow, in your kingdom, we know what will happen. We are secure in the truth. And we just thank you for the last 25 years of Oceanside Church. And we again just bless this church and thank you for what you're doing. We know that when we talk about church, that when we talk about it, it's not the organization, it's not the administration, it's not the bank account, it's the people, Lord God. So as we focus on this, these things, even as the lights are way turned up here this morning, that we would just focus on one another and what that means and what it even means for the empty seats that are empty here this morning, waiting to be filled by the broken and the lost. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have a plan that you have a mission, you have a mandate, you have a vision for us. And Lord God, we just humbly pray before you that that mission would become great in our lifetime, that that mission would become made known and revealed step by step. Amen. Amen. So who's excited for some PowerPoints? Oh, Deborah, I hear her. Come on. Well, I, I don't think I've ever heard Deborah say that in relation to a PowerPoint. So Deborah has, has, great, has great faith here this morning. So recapping, again, we're looking at the past for where we want to go in the future. But our people in 2023, who, like, sorry, our people, let me get the year right, people in 2022. Man, it's been an amazing year. And 2022 was really still a year that we were coming out of COVID. Indeed, like when we got to Christmas and got to the end of 2022, it kind of finally felt that we had come back to maybe where we were as a church just prior. And the goal of an organization through COVID is not to go back to where we were before. Indeed, we want to go much further than where we were before and all those things like that. But we are thankful to God that he has carried us through this last season. And many of you have been added to our community in that place. We want to say that some numbers that we can celebrate this morning, we'll try and end with some worship if I don't take too long, is that we actually had 328 brand new people come through the church in 2022. Dan's looking with a puzzled look on his face because he used to manage that number. And uh, he's looking puzzled and he did the same thing that I was doing. He's like, that can't be right. That's way too many. That's way too many people. And it's, actually, it's true. That is how many people, and even just the people that we got the information of. And then the next thing to celebrate is that in that season, eight, in the season of 2022, 80 people said that they wanted to join the church and come and do life with us and uh, come under the leadership of the church and all those things. And these two numbers show us what kind of season we are in as a church. When we say that we want to welcome the new people in, we, we realize that we have a high percentage of new people. And uh, when it comes to the looking in lunch at the beginning of March, there's going to be another opportunity for people who want to make this place home add to that number for 2023. And we as a leadership team, man, we are excited to have you with us. Mike always used to say something, you know, what God puts in your hand, no man can take out of it. You know, what God places in this church and under the leadership, if it's by God, that no man can take that away. And we are excited to have you with us. Another thing is our, our kids. Paul mentioned as the kids were leaving, it seemed like half the church was leaving. Well, that's true. And actually, it's been a bit of a problem. You, can, you remember in September where we were pleading for new people to come through and, and to volunteer. I want to thank you guys because you have filled that gap, haven't they, Debs? And we've got amazing new leaders raising, them, raising up in that midst. But every week, we have about 75 kids come through our kids' ministry. In proportion to our adults that are here today, that is is an amazing proportion. That is an amazing thing. And when we say that we want to be a church about the next generation, God's already doing that and establishing that. Maybe it's because we meet in a Christian school. I don't know, but I've got something to believe that God is handing us the next generation, indeed bringing them here in the morning just to hear the unadulterated word of Christ, that 
that he wants to do something with them, amen? And the crazy stat is that we, we started a digital check-in system in the last three months of, of the year. So since September 2022, not even a whole year, we had 171 different kids come through, hear the gospel of Jesus, and meet other kids that were going in faith for Jesus. And that is just an amazing number. And I just want to celebrate what God is bringing through. Thank you, Lord. Let's, let's celebrate Him. Really, again, sometimes when we look at these numbers, we're like, let's double check that. And we double check it and we realize it's, it's amazing. It also raised the question, like a lot of people come through. This is, this is why we as a church need to be a welcoming church. When we say, say hi to the people around you or something like that, you realize that for me and the, the other three elders that are on the eldership team, we cannot play the part in, in welcoming people into the community. It's actually all of you. So even if you've only been here for a few weeks, but this is feeling like home, if you see someone that you don't recognize, say hi. Who's, who's here for the very first time this morning? We've got one, two people who are brave enough to put their hand up. Usually you don't put your hand up when, that, when that's the case because then they ask you to do something awkward after that. But, but thank you. Thank you for coming here. We've got new people every week coming through to the life of the church. And again, just like I say that we can't do this just by our eldership team, we have an amazing team of people uh, administering um, groups through the church. So we've got 19 connect groups. If you sort of say that about sort of maybe 15 people or 12 or 15 people can meet in a connect group, that, that takes us over like capacity for 200 people. Paul, do you want more connect groups? We want more connect groups into the life of the future. And as we talk about groups, and as we remember what Jesus said when he, at the Great Commission where he said, go and make disciples, he didn't say, go and make converts. He didn't say, go and get salvations. And he he was saying that when he said make disciples, but it is a lifelong process to become a disciple and to continue on discipleship of Jesus. And I want to encourage you that our connect groups, which is just the word we use for people who open up their homes around the city on different nights of the week and in different demographics and kind of things like that. It's, that's the word we use for people who open up their homes, who bring, you know, 10 or so people around them and, and soak into what it means to follow Christ. Different groups do different things, and we would love to speak to you at the back or out at the welcome table if you want to do that. A small number next, but our Bible school started again this year. Uh, Mark Manfredi, who leads that uh, with a, a, a small group of people just faithfully serving, we, we saw the Bible school start again looking at the book of Ephesians. And the amazing thing about the Bible school is it's been going since 2015 under the vision of, of Mike, starting that with Mark Manfredi. And... Even just in the last year alone, online, the courses live on. We have people from over, all over the world contact us and comment and say thank you for what the resource is. And even this last year, over 3,300 people on YouTube alone went through one of those courses. We have many different ways that people can find it, and that's just one of those courses. You know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours being watched and poured out through the Bible school. We've got an amazing youth group who meets on Wednesday night, Wednesday night, and we have about 20 kids come out to that regularly. And then another ministry that doesn't get spoken about from the lot here, but our Freedom Session ministry uh, run by Doug Hogue and by some amazing facilitators. Yeah, there's a little whoop whoop at the back there, but this is probably, man, this is, this is the, the group that goes and does some deep work uh, along with Christ Jesus. And we've had 10 people go through Freedom Session last year and another 12 people probably heading into, into graduate around Easter through this year. So in that year alone, we had 20, 20, 22 people seeking health and restoration and recovery from, from things that have happened in their lives. And it is an amazing, amazing work that is happening. We want to increase that into the future. All these numbers, we want to go up, I think. There's some numbers we'll say we want to go down, but there's some, most numbers, we, we want to do more. We want to see more happen. And then we are amazingly privileged to lead you as a congregation because we have a people who time and time again put up their hands to serve in the church. So a part of that serving is that we need a leadership team. So we have 67 different people putting up their hands at the end of 2022 to say we will take part in leading God's people. If you look at the room here this morning, you can see that that's an amazingly healthy number. And these people find themselves in leadership positions in different areas, different ways that we can lead God's people through the eldership team. 
through the deacon team, through our amazing connect group leaders who lead those 19 groups, and then on from there, teams who, who, who run teams on a Sunday morning, who lead those teams. And any time that we lead a team or a group, man, it is just an amazing excuse to do family together, to do life together. If you join a team at Oceanside, I hope it doesn't feel like you're just performing a task, and I hope it actually feels like you're going on mission together with brothers and sisters around you. That is indeed how me and Camilla got, got connected into the life of the church. And it's funny, as you, as you say yes and you serve alongside people, how you are blessed by the testimony and the input of your fellow people on team with you. And I just want to say thank you to all of those people who are stepping up into teams and who are leading those teams as well. We wouldn't be able to do it as, a, as an eldership team. And that means about 162 people served on a Sunday uh, throughout 180 and throughout this area of the church as well. I think 180 takes about 20 dedicated people who are passionate about kids every week to, to run that ministry. And we want to use people about once a month. So that means 20, 40, 60, a team of 80 people in a church like this dedicated to bringing through the next generation. That's the number that we want. And... Um, about 35 who make this, who make this uh, room, uh, happen this morning and other things. And so it's about 55 people every Sunday. And in the coming year, we want to increase those teams. We've been having conversations as an eldership team and with other people who just want to see more ministry happen in the life of the church. So in 2023, we want to launch a ministry team because we know that when we end a service on a Sunday morning, it's not just you know, what the preach was about that people need ministry in, but it's actually there are a whole spectrum of life situations happening here on a Sunday morning. Maybe you're here for the first time. Paul brought that word during, during the... the the, um, the worship of just, you know, like people needing a refreshing, people needing a touch from God. And we want to be a people who are doing that. We also want to expand our kids into some older age groups as well. We know if you're the age of 13 to 16 year olds, I'm really boring you right now. If you're 13 to 16 and I'm boring you, put your hand up. You're probably not even listening. <laughs> but we want to create, Kale, are you doing okay? On the, yeah, there we go. Um, but we want to create a, a, an amazing group. I know when I was in those formative years, when you're 13 to 16, that is some of the most important years of your life. And we love having you guys in worship and listening to the word and all of that stuff. But possibly every other week or something like that, or three out of four Sundays a month, we want to take you over to the junction and do some discipleship with you and see what God is doing in your lives and things like that. Who And then as well, we, we had a coffee bar prior to COVID. Some of you are very concerned that it hasn't come back yet. That's, that's, that's the last on the list for 2023. Coffee as well. Someone said in the run-up to this week, try and get the numbers on how much coffee that we've had. I'm like, it's impossible. Impossible to calculate. I don't know how we do it. And then we are super thankful for people who give. And we are super thankful for everybody who calls Oceanside their home. We know that in 2 Corinthians 9, it says this about giving. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that's what we want to be about as Oceanside Church. One of the key things that I've felt on my heart through the transition is that we need to be a church where visible joy is present. And I'm not a person who normally shows visible joy. Ask my wife. It's, it takes a lot to make me look happy. But man, I want to be a church where we are joyful that the, for the mission that God has us on. And a part of that is giving as well. And Jesus and God, rem, God reminds us through the scriptures that God is also looking for our giving to be joyful. So this is a celebration and a thank you where we look at who's on mission with us. And I think these are as well some amazing numbers. In 2020, we had 186 different families. So if you're single here today and you live as a single person in our database, so you count as one of these numbers. If you're a couple, if you're in a family and you sort of give as individuals together, you also just count as one number. So 186 people in 2020 through COVID continue to give into Oceanside Church. That is amazing. And then in 2021, we had 194 people continue to give into the life of church. It can continue between families and individuals. And then later on, in the most recent year, 188 people continuing to sow into the work here that we do at Oceanside Church. We know that giving 
enables the church to fulfill its purpose. I know as a church, sometimes, I know whenever I get my hair cut, is a, a great barber by the name of Heavy D. He books two weeks out. He's so amazing. You've got to book in advance. Uh, but he always asks me when I'm sitting in my chair, uh, uh, getting my hair cut, when I'm always, about every six weeks, I guess. Um, he, he says, what do you do all week? He doesn't understand what it, what it means to work for a church and all these other things. But I want to thank you guys. Um, the, the life of the church is, is enabled by your generous, generous giving. Are we all called to give? We, this isn't a teaching on giving today. Uh, perhaps we'll get Paul, the finance elder, uh, up to do that one of, the, one of these days in the near future. But Jesus, looking at giving, says in Mark 12, I think it was mentioned in a, in a previous week here during the preaching, but it says in Mark 12, Jesus is looking at, at people giving into the temple. And he says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. It says, many rich people put in large amounts. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. We want to say when calls us to give into the life of the church, just like he looks, as, looks at our heart that it's cheerful when we give and says that that's really important when we give into the church. If we, if we give not cheerfully, it doesn't, you know, it has a different feel. It doesn't mean the same thing to God as a sacrificial gift. And as well, it doesn't mean for the, for the amount that we give either. It means for, for the cost to us. And often at church, we look at this thing of, of giving as a tithe. And, and that is how we function as a church, by faithful people. Um, a lot of these people in those numbers are faithfully giving 10% of their income to make the work of the church happen. We know that in Ephesians 4.11, we, we ask ourselves, what is the purpose for us as a church? And it's interesting looking at the numbers when, when these sort of reports come through. It's like, when you, when you look at numbers and different things, you ask ourselves, do these numbers show us living out the purpose of what we're called to do? I want to say as a leadership team, and as we go through this thing, and as we, as we lead the eldership team through that, it's like, man, in the coming years, I want our what we're spending our money on to make sense in terms of what we're saying our priorities are. It says in Ephesians 4.11, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints. We realize that one of our primary functions as a church, the organization of those offices, that it's to equip the saints. That's you. You might feel like not much of a saint here this morning, but I want to say when the Bible says equip the saints, he's talking about those of us who have committed to living a life for Christ Jesus. And then what does it say in the very same sentence? Verse 12 says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. We realize actually through this verse that there's this leadership that is equipping all the people in the church for not just to know Jesus better, to not just become like Jesus in how we look, but to actually become like Jesus in what we do, right? When we are called to equip the saints for ministry, it means that we are the hands and the feet. We realize that we have an eldership team of, of four guys and attached to that team is four amazing couples and we lead together as our families. But we realize that that word of someone yesterday, I was on FaceTime with someone, we were catching up, we hadn't talked for a while. And they were like, are you the minister of the church now? And I'm like, wow, that, it was someone from England, so that's what the kind of the words they use. And I was thinking about this, this message today, it's like, actually, no, I minister in the church, but we are actually all called to be ministers of God's word. Do you agree? That's right, that's our purpose. So when we look at our figures, when we look at, say, what we're doing as a church, we want to equip you. And that's why it's an amazingly important thing that we have good teaching and preaching, good connect groups where we can disciple people through those things, good Bible schools, all these things, amazing youth groups, amazing kids' works, because we want to equip those people for ministry. It's how the church grows. It's how the church goes forwards. And then Paul's remind us is again, he says, you know, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Again, Paul in this verse 
points us back to that the church is the body of Christ. It's not the building. It's not the figures. It's not the chairs. It's not the coffee. It's not the admin. It is the very body of Christ. And then verse 13 says, until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. That is our target. When we say, what do we want our church to look like? It's the stature and the fullness of Christ. Do you see that in me? No, you probably don't. So I've got some work to do. And do I see the fullness and the stature of Christ alive in you perfectly? Not quite yet. So we've got some work to do. But it's an amazingly beautiful thing as we come together. And that's what we want, church. We want this church, the people of this church, to minister to the city that this church lives in, in the fullness of that image. And that's why we're doing a series that is asking us the question, how do we become more like Christ? It's not to get more head knowledge. It's to be able us to go and represent Christ to the people around us. Correct? Correct. That's our whole mission as a church. Again, Jesus didn't say make converts. He said make disciples. I went through a season of being very convicted because I'm not a gifted evangelist as someone like Justin Bergen or some other names that we've got in the office, in the, in the room here this morning who just love uh, talking about Jesus, who will go out their way, who will, who will be late meeting you because they're talking to someone about Jesus. How inconvenient. But you've got people who have that heart that will just, no matter what, they, they will stop. They will go. And I felt quite convicted. That I was like, you know what? I don't do that piece of evangelism as well as these other people. And God just said back, and I think he wants to say to you as well, because there's a lot of people who, who see those evangelists amongst us and, and feel disappointed. Actually, Jesus didn't call us just to evangelize. He called us to make disciples. And that means relationship. That means opening up your homes. The very first step of discipleship, yes, is witnessing to someone and welcoming that in. But then every day in that believer's life for the rest of their life, they need a community around them to, to, to help them operate and become more like Jesus' disciple. So when we look at it like that, we realize that we have a massive part to play as individual ministers in a church, which is every single one of us. Sometimes you can do more for the kingdom of God just by opening the door of your home, welcoming people in and honestly talking through scripture than some of the best strategies and plans to reach a city. Opening the doors of the house is how we're going to reach this city. Are you bored yet? A little bit. Okay. Something really exciting now. Financials. So again, the reason why we're looking at this is just to catch up. You can view this information online. The CRA put it up there. It's always been up there, that kind of stuff. Um, but these financials, just to show us our trajectory, and we just want to say, uh, we're going to go back to uh, 2017 and 2018, just so we get a picture of what is God is building through. And God is setting us up for some vision here at Oceanside Church. And God is providing us with some provision here at Oceanside Church so that we can really walk into what He wants us to do. And in 2017... 2018, for me, for myself, I call it the golden years because I wasn't leading. Russ was still around, right? And he was doing all the admin. He was such a gifted administrator. And we were just in these years of just healthily growing as a church. Indeed, we are still growing as a church, which is amazing. But as you can see on the, on the left there, uh, sorry about the lights, but on the, on the left is the income and on the right is the outgoing. So you know when your income is bigger than your outgoing, you know you're doing okay. So that was great. And it just speaks to the, the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of our people growing, steadily growing as a church. Uh, who remembers when we uh, were able to come and meet in this room? What year was it? Do you remember? It was 2017. And actually, these years as well have been amazing years of just faithful um, relationship with the Nanaimo Christian School. There's teachers and different people who administer in the Nanaimo Christian School here today. And I just want to say on behalf of Oceanside Church, we thank you because we attribute a lot of our growth as a church by this relationship that we have, this beneficial relationship to both sides. And we are so, bene we are so benefited by the, the amount of people that we can fit in this room, probably one of the largest meeting spaces in Nanaimo. Uh, we don't know what we would have to do if some of these seats fill up a little bit more and ask ourselves, what is that next step? But even it's funny, as I was talking this week, people were like, oh, hey, when are we going to double services and things like that? And I just love that faith to say, hey, these seats that are sitting next to me empty right now aren't going to be empty for long as we see the lost reach. So we want to see more years like that. 
Then in 2019, uh, we had uh, Russ and Glenn plant out uh, Explore Life Church. So we did a lot of uh, staff transitions in the church. Again, if you knew Russ and Glenn, they probably did the work of about 18 people in the church office. So we had to do some hiring. Uh, so that year, um, we spent a little bit more than we caught in. But again, as years go by, uh, yeah, they sort of even out. And then who remembers when the pandemic came? Yeah, the pandemic came. And then we just want to say as well, that our expenses went down as a church because we didn't, weren't able to do as much uh, as, we, as we used to do. But God, man, I remember at the beginning of that, of that season, it was already a sort of a faith season for us because we had sown out Russ and Glenn. Again, God, sends you to, God asks you to send your best from the church, and they were definitely some of our best in the life of the church and most faithful. And then the pandemic hit. And I remember just sitting in the church office with, with Mike and just... I think he had a lot more faith for the situation than, than I had at that time. But I was like, man, I wonder, I wonder what decisions we're going to have to make this, this, these coming years. Or we didn't know how long it was going to be or anything like that. But I just want to say the faithfulness of God, looking back at, these, looking back at his provision for the church and the ministry of the church, is that, man, God has actually gave us a mandate of increase in some areas. An amazing new thing. In Joshua 21 verse 45, reading from the NLT, it says, not a single one of all, of, all, all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. And I was just reflecting on that verse as we thought, we're thinking about today is that there isn't any pandemic that can get in the way of God's mission. <laughs> Do you realize? There isn't any there's so many things we could list off here as we perceive different things as enemies of the church or difficulties or hurdles that the church has to cross. But we realize there is nothing that can get in the way of, 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 of God's mission if we sign up and if we say yes to it. And actually, at the end of 2020, again, led by Mike uh, in amongst the eldership team, we started to look at some vision pieces for the future. And we said, even in this season of difficulty, even in this season of uncertainty, we're going to make plans for the future because we know that when the season of lockdown ends, that God wants to break out and do something new. Out of God's ongoing faithfulness and vision for the future, we started planning some things. And then... We hit 2021, and God confirmed some of the plans that we were putting together. We had an abnormal year in 2021 in terms of people giving to the life of the church. Again, this was still in the season of COVID, still in the season of restrictions, still in the season of not being able to do much. But God is faithful, and He even pours out abundantly more than even what you could need. I want to just remind us as a church, again, because we have so many new, new people here, is that actually the, the eldership team get financial reports each week of sort of how much has come in. But we do not look at who gives into the life of the church. We don't know if you sitting there this morning have, have given X amount or Y amount. We don't want that to influence how we lead you as a people. Otherwise, if you start looking at the figures, even though you don't want to, you realize that your, your ministry changes a little towards that person. And even though they, they might you know, presumably give the church money. We don't want that to affect our council that we give out. So we don't, we don't know, but we know just by the stats that came in that this was actually given as a tithe. When you give into the life of the church, you can actually say what kind of giving you're doing. And sometimes God calls you to give abundantly more than, than maybe that 10%. And other times God, you know, it just asks us to be faithful with the 10%. And we know that actually this year, a lot of that provision came through just a couple situations where people gave off of a 10% tithe. And it's amazing what being faithful with the 10% can enable the local mission of the local church. And I just want to thank you. And it, like we saw with the... Um, you know, the, the woman who, who put the two pennies into the temple. Like we know that it's not the amounts, it's just being faithful. And on whatever spectrum of amount that we find ourselves in, when we find ourselves that offering basket going past or that, that e-transfer or giving online, I know that it tests us every time, doesn't it? I can say that that feeling gets better the more you give because you realize the faithfulness of God in your life. But every so often there's a season where you're just like, ooh, we didn't, who knows anything about inflation recently? 
man, I got a $400 Costco receipt the other day. I'm like, how? I've never, I, that's the high score I do not want. Just lots of cheese, sorry. Um, um, but we know that in different scenarios, we, we get tested with that. But I want to say being faithful with 10%, as, as, some pe- as, as a lot of people in our community do, it, it massively enables us to fulfill the mission and mandate. And I want to say the plans that, that Mike started giving us vision for in 2020 before these figures came in, in the season of uncertainty, I want to say God has confirmed that and said, actually, in, despite you being a church in the least church city, despite all these other things, despite you not having your own building or anything like that, is that actually I'm going to give you provision so you know that you have a mandate into this city. God's provision and our future mandate. Our mission, to know Jesus and to make him known. That's what it's all about and that's what it has to be used for. In Romans 10, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But in verse 14, it says, How then will they know, call, sorry, how then will they call on him they, who they have not believed? And how are they to believe of in him who have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And we realize that there is a mission that God wants to enable into our city, the least church city in Nanaimo. And as I felt God say this, again, these numbers, it's, you know, we're looking at numbers, we're looking at figures, it's boring, there's questions, there's other things. But as we faced, again, if you didn't hear, Nanaimo is the least church city in Canada. That came out as a statistic last year based off the census that happened before then. And some of us were really excited at that stat. Some of us were excited because it means that the, 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 the fields are, are ripe for the harvest. Some of us were disappointed because it just means, man, we live in a hard city for the gospel. But I felt like God say this. We're in a season where we want to see increase, right? We want to see, we're in a season where we want to see empty seats filled. And I said this before a couple of weeks ago, but there's plenty of churches in Nanaimo. There's a, a, a fair number of churches in Nanaimo doing great work. If you're here from another church, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you might seek to join us in this season. Hopefully God has led you in that decision. But we want to see growth happen, not by just switching people around Nanaimo. Again, we've got 80 new people in the life of Oceanside Church, 80 people who've actually committed to a level to say that we are congregation. There's many more who haven't had the opportunity to take that step. But we're challenged by thinking that actually, that just means if we're the same size as we were pre-COVID and we've had all these people join, what has happened to the churches of Nanaimo? And I know when I meet with the pastors of Nanaimo, as we do most months, we talk about, yeah, the transition between churches. But God wants us to grow the church by reaching the lost. God really wants to do that. And I felt the challenge for us here this morning is we've got some plans and we've got some things that we want to do into the future. But there's two different modes that we can think about the future when God wants us to do something. We can think about what the money can do in terms of making things nicer, making the lights function properly or things like that. I quite like us as a church that our chairs are tatty and our, our, our mats are a death trap because it keeps us on our toes. It, it, who, who, anybody tripped today? Oh my goodness. How's our insurance doing, Paul? Oh, shoot. It's the school. The school put the mat down. It's their fault. No, just kidding. Um, but I like that feel because it we're not just going to be a church about making things nice. And yes, we want to make the place more welcoming and get the, the coffee bar back so we can raise some, some money for the Congo while we, while we serve some nice coffee and things like that. But God said to me this when sort of preparing these messages, like, are you prepared for things to get messy? And actually, when a church grows, sometimes it grows because things are nicer and the programs are nicer and the people are nicer and the leader has, leaders have bigger smiles and stuff like that. But sometimes the church grows because the lost are coming in. I've got a question for you. If we start reaching the lost, is this church going to be nicer or is it going to be messier? What do you think? It, nicer. Nice, nice. 
Hyacinth's got faith for the, for the nice, messy people as well. <laughs> this is not a, a black and white message. Again, it's on a spectrum of, of, of how people come in. But there's, there's chances, actually, if we see the gospel go out into Nanaimo in a powerful way, that actually this might start to look more messy on a Sunday morning. And what I mean is not messy people in the way that they look, messy people in terms of the lives that they are coming from. I was listening to someone, we were having coffee with someone the other week, and they were telling me about how their wife came to the Lord, and, and they met in Canada, but the, her family was from elsewhere. And he said to me this, like, my wife had never heard the name of Jesus until I mentioned it to her. And I thought, what are you talking about? I thought Jesus was like Coca-Cola, just everybody knew about it, right? But actually, there's people in the Nama who have never heard the name of Jesus. What kind, and that, and that family, that whole family, that uh, these, this couple and that whole family has come to faith out of Buddhism and now into Jesus through, through a marriage and through the testimony of through people who, who never knew. But I've got to say that God wants us to increase our capacity to have messy people. In the least church city in Canada, if we see revival, we are going to see some mess. And we as a people, as we go forward, have to be okay and get our hearts to where Jesus' hearts were as he met messy people along the way as well. I think about the Nanaimo ER. My wife, she doesn't work for the church. She's an insane person and is a nurse in the ER system. Thankfully, she's maternity leave now. But if you walk into the Nanaimo ER, they don't have enough staff. There is way more broken people than sometimes they are even equipped to see. But they know, every nurse or doctor knows, when a broken person walks through that front door, they know what they're supposed to do. They know that my job is to take that broken person and to heal them and to make them whole and to restore them, even in difficult circumstance. And a lot of you in the room are part of those professions that work in those places that are tremendously difficult in this season. But I want to say the picture of what we see of where our hospital at is and, and where we want to see more resources within our medical system, the church is also in that way. But I want to say sometimes that the church isn't as messy enough. We're too nice. We're too neat. We're too well-to-do. Where are the broken? Where are the hurting? We need messy people finding healing. We remember the words of Jesus in Mark 2 when he says, Jesus heard people talking and he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And then he said this, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Again, as maybe someone who's Primary gifting in the church isn't evangelism. I want to say we want to see the gospel ministered in our city. And we want a people who are down and out, who are broken, who are searching for solutions, who have never heard the name of Jesus, come and find him. And then we need to be that community to welcome them in and to talk to them about what it means to now follow that Savior, Jesus, under his discipleship and his word. Jesus came for sinners to be redeemed. And this is the mission, this is the mandate that these numbers enable us to do. Is that good? Be encouraged. Uh, what did I just put up there? 2022. And then coming out of the pandemic, things aren't immune from inflation as well. And uh, we had another year that we just spent a little bit more uh, than was brought in. But God has us amazingly set up into the future. And it's one of those things as well, as we have a ton of new people in the church. We love that you're here. It's awesome. Again, we can see by those numbers that 188 people continue to give into 2022. We are just so blessed. But we are looking for the future. Jesus said this in Luke 6. He said, judge not, and you will not be judged. That's an eternal thing, right? Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. That's got eternity ramifications on there as well, right? And he says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Another eternity piece. And then in Luke 6, 38, he says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And a lot of the time we look at this verse, we look at this verse and we look at judging eternally, we look at condemn eternal, we look at forgiving, that's an eternal thing as well, and we look at giving as well. 
I want to say that God is calling the North American church to give in uncomfortable ways into the future. That even though we were heading into an uncomfortable season, God is asking us to have more faith. And just as we invite messy people in and we're not seeking to judge, condemn, but to forgive with the same forgiveness that Jesus forgave us with, we are also called to give. And we, in the inheritance, when we stand before Jesus, the creator of the universe, we're going to realize as we stand before him that we were just giving back to what he had already given us. We were just doing those things. And as we come, as we look at the last five or so years, we realize that we can plan for growth. We can realize when we see these numbers, the hunger in Nanaimo, that we can plan for growth. And these are the plans. We, again, under the initial leadership of, of Mike and Debs, we want to build. It's, it's a picture that you can't see. It's, a, it's annoying, isn't it, how you, how you can't see what the sort of final focus, even Paul, is, he knows what this is, and he, he doesn't, he's sort of scowling at the screen because you can't really see it. I'm sure you can find it online later uh, on the live stream, but we are wanting to develop the land across the road at the junction, and we are wanting to build, and we are in a planning phase for this new building. We have spent um, some money with some architectures with the, and the next phase is sort of going to the city and asking them, can we do this? And the next phase as well is sort of going back to God in 2023 as we transition to the churches. Like, God, before we break ground, God, before we do things, is this what you've got us called for? There is an amazing few things uh, that, that I think God wants us to do here. We want to build... Uh, an, an auditorium with space for 140 people. One of the main areas that we're, we're limited in as, as Oceanside Church is where we meet as leadership groups, as youth groups, as, as other different things. Our building across the road is used six out of seven nights a week. And I want to say six out of seven nights a week, it's too small. And we can't fit. We can, tonight we've got a leadership meeting in there and we are going to squeeze 40 of us in that group. And if you're in the, in the leadership team, I'd please shower before you come. We're going to really smell each other there. Um, but it's too small, about six out of seven nights a week. And we want to build a place where things like our youth group can grow. I want to say uh, sometimes our youth doesn't grow beyond the, on some of these numbers because the space itself isn't conducive to that. And we want to build and bless we want to have prayer meetings. We want to have worship nights. We want to see an increase of the Bible school and other ministry groups enabled to use that space. Midweek meetings is where we find one of the biggest struggles. It's amazing having this relationship with an Anima Christian school. I want to say that that is continuing at least a decade into the future as our current plans entail. But we want to see this place transformed with what we can do midweek. Um, yes. Um, the next thing that we want to do is that through this investment, we want to focus on the next generation. Again, like we already said, that God has already blessed us with the next generation already here. Even if we weren't trying, he's already given us the next generation. And I want to say the future church will be defined by the discipleship that we do in this season, in this country. Indeed, God is always going to lead the church to victory and increase but in this season, we need a disciple like we've never discipled before. And a part of that is us as parents leading our kids. A part of that is us doing connect groups and all that stuff. But another part of that is creating spaces where we can invite in the lost. Man, I grew up at a church where they poured everything into the local community from a city much like Nanaimo. They sent three double-decker buses around the poorest neighborhoods in their city and collected the kids and brought them in on a Saturday morning. And they would charge 50p to a parent could send their kid uh, so that that parent could go and do some shopping and other things. And they saw hundreds and hundreds of kids every Saturday morning. And then the parents, these unchurched parents, started asking questions about where their churches were going. And the church came into a season of growth like they, like they had never seen before. And it's a church that had grown through the next generation, even if the child doesn't get saved immediately, the parents start asking, man, I better check out this place where I'm sending my kids every day. We don't know what it all entails, but we know that God wants to do something through the next generation. This partnership that we have with the school is working really, really well, but we need more space and we need people who are passionate about the next generation. I want to say that the, the budget line for where we want to go with the, with, with the next generation, it's currently blank. 
Okay, it's currently like, man, I wonder how much faith we have to pour into this, this next group of people from all the way from zero to, to 19 and all of those people. But we need people who are passionate, people who are poured in. But we're going to start with a building. We're going to start going these ways. And it also increases our ability to partner with, with the Nanaimo Christian School. One of the amazing things of why our partnership works so well is that there's no school on a Sunday. So we get to fill this place for the whole of a Sunday and fill it up with the ministry of the church. Yes, it's not convenient. We start arriving here at 6.30 in the morning to set this up for 9.30. Who thought 9.30 was already bad? Well, yeah. But, and then we get to stay late as we set it down and it goes so quickly and all of that stuff. But we want to see... Um, People reached, and we also have plans for how the school can use that midweek, and we can continue this partnership and relationship into the future. It's an amazing sort of coexistence that we, that we have. Billy Graham said, salvation is free. That's the amazing news, isn't it, when we come to Jesus, when we hear like the worship proclaimed on a Sunday morning, we realize that salvation is free. Indeed, if, if, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, salvation is free. We would love to talk to you after the service. But then Billy Graham said this, he said, salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything we have, yeah. <laughs> right? Discipleship costs an annoying amount of money. It costs an annoying amount of time. It costs an annoying amount of hard work as we go into and, and examine ourselves. But we want to see a generation discipled into the future. Amen? Amen. We're running out of time. Anyway, we'll just quickly show you where we spend our finances. Again, an amazing way that we... Um, reason why we're doing this is because we got so many new people who don't know the heart of the church. Again, this may be a very abnormal thing for, from a, if you're from a different church, like to do this on a Sunday morning. Uh, that's why we're preaching vision alongside this thing. As well, we don't know, possibly next year, it may, we may do this in a different vein, in a different light, but with the amount of new people on mission with us right now as Oceanside Church, we knew we wanted to do this on a Sunday morning. So in 2021, um, we had seven full-time staff and four part-time staff. A quick overview of that in 2021, prior to the transition, included Mike and Debs on, uh, on staff. It included myself on staff as managing the office. It included uh, Beth, uh, who managed the office, um, as, uh, who administrated the office. Matt Lineker, who just had the baby, leading worship. That guy, uh, he's, our, he's our media guy. And then Zoe, full-time uh, with the kids admin as well. You can see sometimes seven full-time uh, uh, staff can seem like a lot of people, especially when the coffee and the mats are this terrible. But we promise we are doing things. We are promise we are making this thing work. And indeed, actually, if we had our own building on a Sunday, we probably wouldn't need as many staff. But because of the saving that we make through uh, the, the partnership with the NCS, um, we, we uh, go forward in that way. And then we have a part-time finances and youth person, uh, on staff, and then we also started employing Russell Eels uh, in, in 2021, who's in Edmonton at Explore Life Church, and a big part of that was just to enable him to have another day for Explore Life Church, and selfishly for us sometimes, when we ask, when we mess up things that he established a few years ago, and we say, hey, Russ, what are we doing wrong? That kind of thing. And then we also have an amazing uh, few other part-timers uh, based on uh, different things that they do. But yes, but um, that's awesome. Okay, ministry and operations. So this is everything that we do. So the first part was almost like 57%, then 28% is our ministry and operations. That's all the costs that we entail that are not people. So that's all the coffee, that's all the infrastructure, that's all the, the heat, the power, the rent, all this other stuff. That's what we spend money on. Um, and then in 2021... Because we had such a great year, at the end of that year, Mike led the eldership team through some generous giving. So we were able to give 5% to some uh, amazing uh, uh, things around the world and 10% here locally as well. And that's awesome. Yeah, 15% of all our expenses were just given away freely in 2021, which is amazing. In 2022, uh, much the same, the, uh, the figures are similar, uh, but we went down to six full-time staff and more part-time staff. So we, we had some people with some situations that actually said, yeah, it actually makes more sense to have a couple people part-time and less people full-time. As we end 2022, um, myself, I'm the lead elder of the church. Uh, Camilla's not on staff here at the church. Again, she's a full-time eMERGE uh, person and person, nurse. I guess that's the technical term that they like to use. Um, <laughs> 
who's now on maternity for a while. So it's, it's kind of like we have a free church employee, my wife. She loves that. It's like, hey, Camilla, can you just do this? It's awesome. Um, but she's, she's not on staff. And then our extended uh, pastoral team that Mike and Debs will now be running. Debs has a special uh, focus on 180 Kids. And a lot of the reason why our 180 Kids program is so amazing is because of Debs and with Zoe underneath her and the other amazing people around us. Um, we have no office manager right now, so I, we have not yet found a replacement for myself. Uh, that's under active uh, seeking. And then in same as, as in 2021, we ended the year with Beth, with Matt, with Zoe. But we gained an intern. We now have a church intern. Ethan came. He's also, his other name is Mini Matt. Uh, so if you need anything designed, he's, he's the guy. Uh, he's been living with us since September, and our main mission has been to teach him to cook. Um, not my main mission, Camilla's main mission. Yeah, very good. Uh, so I just quickly go, but, um, ooh, sorry. Uh, yeah, so our uh, local, because we were in a deficit year, our local, uh, local giving was a little bit down, our global giving as well. Uh, but our apostolic, we were able to travel again. And our apostolic is just like you heard um, what was shared by... Um, the guys before the service here, is that actually we want to go to churches and bless them and train them and to meet with their leaders and to blow wind in their sails. That is what apostolic ministry is. And that's what we assume uh, we, that for that. That is us giving out as well. It makes for some very confusing conversations at the U.S. border when we go down because they're like, how much are you getting paid to come minister at this church? We're like, nothing. We're paying to go there. They're like, that doesn't make any business sense. Tell us again, who's paying you? We're like, no, us as a church are paying to go freely minister down there. And so we thank you for enabling that. Mike and Debs are on the apostolic team and will travel into the future. Paul and Katie are on that apostolic team. And we also like taking teams of people. Prior to COVID, we would send work worship teams, entire worship teams. Uh, we've got the North America equipped coming up as well uh, next year that we would love to send people to. Um, so for us, future staff, uh, we've got an admin and bookkeeping assistant position open. So it's part-time. It's about 24 hours a week because it entails Sundays as well. But we are looking for someone to help us cover maternity leave uh, for about a year um, for two days a week and Sundays. So if you have any capacity there, come, come chat with me. Even if, if you have no interest, it's interesting what can happen after a conversation. And we're looking to, to figure that out in the next six weeks or so. Um, we also have the replacement for myself, the office manager. That's going to be a while for us to, to fill um, because it is so important. It's not just a ministry calling. It's also a leadership calling as well. Uh, so that person would probably play a big part in our leadership team. And then we're also as well looking to expand our 180 kids ministry. So if you're called to 180, to 180, to kids, if you are called to kids, even if you, you know, it's not an employment thing, you know, we want to hear from you. We want to, for God to start revealing what he wants to do next. And sometimes you don't know quite exactly what it is. It's less about coming up with the exact job description. And it's more about seeing who you've got and the talents and the capacity of those people. Do you understand? So it's annoying sometimes. I won't provide you with, a, with an exact job description, but I'll say, actually, who are you? What is your gifting? Where are you really going to shine? And what, God might, what might God build after that? For us, we are accountable through our eldership team. So again, a big surprise uh, that you might uh, find through those staffing numbers that actually I'm the only elder currently on staff at Oceanside Church. Do you realize how much the other guys put into this church? And actually, I'm not going to make a round of applause because there's many, many people who, who put in, but this is probably the team of people that put in the most to Oceanside Church. And it costs them in very, very real ways. There are things that they cannot do in life and in business because uh, they spend their time doing these things. We meet weekly. Our last few meetings have been marathon sessions where we start at 8 p.m. and we end at 11 p.m. So thank you so much to the wives as well. But we really do spend time thinking and praying about you and seeking God on how to do this best. And they are, they are not paid. Uh, that offers us a great level of accountability as well because me being the only staff member, I don't have to set my salary or something like that. That would be very awkward. So the non-salaried non elders always set the salaries of the elders who are employed. And we always seek uh, input as well from outside the church. Anytime something goes over $500, that's when we bring it into the team for accountability. And there's weekly financial reports and other things like that. I want to say with the eldership team, it's 
It's not a case of yes men or anything like that. We believe as elders, even though myself, I'm the lead elder. You might say captain, you might say visionary, tons of different words you might put on it. But actually, we are equal in authority as, as a group. So if, if something's the matter, if we've got to go, go through something, we do it as, as, as a team. And it's amazing how God puts us together in team. It's a team that will look to grow and balance out in the, in the, in the years to come. Amazing. We've also got an amazing apostolic team. Even this week, I was just on the phone with Steve Barr about finances and different things like that and targets into the future. Uh, when, the, when we had the Canadian equip here, we were sitting in rooms with other people from around the world to say, these are our church finances. This is where we want to go. What do you think? What do you see? What has God told you? That's how we uh, keep accountability. Uh, we also have an amazing bookkeeping service down in Victoria, which is out of office, which is external, uh, which we get weekly reporting from. And then we also have have the lovely CRA as well, which is very careful and diligent in how we spend money. We have to spend money as a church in line with our mission and mandate, in line with our constitution, and we are fixed. Sometimes it's a bit of a straitjacket to say, actually, we would really love to give money to this cause, but we can't because they say, well, actually, you're this. We don't see that. So sometimes a bit of negotiation with the CRA, and we want to say that we've, we've been audited by the CRA uh, about uh, in 2015, and things were good, things were healthy. The better part, the more interesting part as we end, and sorry this is long, guys, I, I really appreciate your time, but I really think this is important as we seek about where we want to go into the future, not just building, but discipling people, um, sowing out. So in 2020, uh, we were able to give yeah, about $10,000 locally, $15,000 globally, and ten, another $10,000 apostolically before everything shut down. And then in 2021, uh, we've talked about it before, but we gave $50,000 at the end of the year to the Nanaimo Christian School for a new school bus. They were extremely thankful. I think they were going to buy two school buses, and now they're just going to buy one bigger bus. So I think we've bought half a school bus or something like that. I'm not sure how it works out. And then because of supply chain issues, it doesn't actually exist yet. Perfect. Um, exactly what you want to do. It's like, wait, we gave you money. You've got to spend... No, just kidding. Um, we also gave uh, just over $30,000 to Congo Grace Orphanage for a special housing project there. Uh, the city, the region was being wrecked by flooding, and there was a need to bring staff housing on site. So we, in faith, gave $30,000 uh, from the church um, to the, the housing. Uh, we gave around $10,000 to other NCMI churches. We started uh, employing Russ for Explore Life Church for about $5,000, and about another $12,000 for regular local giving. And then in our fundraising that we did one September, we raised $12,000 for the Congo Grace Orphanage to send kids to school for another year. And uh, that didn't come through the Oceanside book, so that's not on our accounts because it went directly uh, to the Congo Grace Orphanage. But amazing, amazing things. Uh, monthly, we support the Crisis Pregnancy Center, the Island Crisis Care Society, which work with housing, and the Congo Grace Orphanage on a monthly basis. And then in 2022, uh, we were able to do $14,000 of local giving. We were able to give more out to Explore Life Church. And uh, more uh, that was a part of global giving as well. We were able to do more apostolic ministry. We actually, uh, through a, a family in the church and a, a need that they knew externally uh, to the church of wanting to bring refugees in, there are uh, some refugees that have already come uh, through the church. This isn't actually a part of that because it was happening before this was established. Uh, but we've actually added about $25,500 to enable us to bring in a refugee in the coming season that we're um, planning through. And then we were also able to raise about $10,000 for the Congo Grace Orphanage. Uh, we were able to bless Mike and Debs uh, with $27,000 as they transitioned the church. The reason why we did that is because when you plant a church, you have to work like four jobs and you don't get paid for the first decade. Does that sound like fun? Who wants to go plant another church in Edmonton? <laughs> but we did that because we just wanted to give people an opportunity to give and bless them with a financial gift. That amazing amount that we raised was, was $27,000. That again was external uh, to, the, to the charity. And we were able to support nine families through the Giving Christmas Tree. And altogether, that means through the last three years, we we're able to give away over a quarter million dollars um, to what God is doing. I want to say, and much, a lot of that giving was, was under, uh, yeah, the leadership of Mike and Debs, which we're so grateful for. 
Our giving targets into the future, we have accounts where we want to say, we, as a target, we, we set a target to spend 5% on apostolic ministry and 5% in just pure giving and then other projects on top of that. But we are so thankful as a church. And I said to the worship team, get prepared to come back up here, but there's not going to be time for that here this morning. But I want to remind us, church, that it's, it's not about the figures. It's not about even the buildings that we can build or something like that. And we are so grateful that the generosity over certain years has enabled us to start planning uh, for the vision that came before, uh, was even around before that uh, money came in. But faithful giving enables the purposes of the church. God's provision will always enable us to do the, the mission that he's got for us. God's never going to send us into the mission field ill-equipped for the ground that he wants to take. If you looked back at Joshua and Moses, you would have said, man, the fact that these guys could go take any amount of land or go establish the kingdom of God anywhere, you would have said that was ridiculous. A group of refugees moving across the desert. But God provided. God established. And his promises never failed. And I want to say there is prophetic promises on this church. There is vision on this church, and we are moving ahead into the future with the mandate that he's giving us, which is to reach the least churched city in Canada. And it's going to get messy. There might be some blood on the floor, blood on the ceiling. We can clean it up after people get healed. But God wants us to reach the lost, and God wants us to disciple them towards the image of Christ. Do you agree? We're excited about the future church. We're excited. The eldership team is thrilled to lead you as a church because we, we know that we've got so many people around. Again, that, that list of like 67 leaders, again, sometimes I forget how many people we've got, the quality names that we have. I feel so bad for other people because I'm like, look at this list. Look at who we've got in our ranks to take the kingdom and advance where we want to go. So I want to thank you. Thank you to everybody who calls this place home. And thanks be to God. He's the one who enables it all. So let's just give God a praise offering and then I'll hand it over to Paul.